Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we got something for everybody tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. We have something. We're going to do some. You know what, Brian? This is going to be a powerful show. This is going to be a show that let everybody know that if they're in the valley, you're going to come up. They're Uh going to come up on this one, Brian. And, Brian, when you spoke to our guest, you know, we spoke with her just the other day, what did you think? Well, I didn't have to think anything. I've I've known our guest for quite some time, and so I already knew. when When I finally talked to her, you know, one of the first things I said was, Girl, I got to get you on my show, <laughs> you know, because I just knew the words that she that she's going to, the things that she's going to say tonight are going to be like marrow to your bones. They're going to help you to develop yourself into the person you never knew. That's right. And you, you know, know what, Brian? I, I, I really believe that most of the things that she's going to say are not going to come from her. Mm-hmm. They're not going to come from her, but you know what? That's okay. <laughs> we know who they're coming from. Absolutely. We know they're coming from. And we're going to have fun, man. We're just going to have fun. And to all our listeners, if you're out there, sit back, get your pen and pads ready, because some things are going to be said tonight that's going to change your life. You already heard these things before, but they're just going to be reinforced, and they will be confirmed. Absolutely, absolutely. Tonight's show is entitled Facing Your Giant, and tonight's special guest is Divine Motivational Speaker Monique S. Edwards, and these are her words. As a Divine Motivational Speaker and President of the Excel Forum, I intend to bring insight to mankind on how to overcome life's obstacles involving stress, debt, and broken spirits by achieving unspeakable joy through the power of wisdom. Now... That's just a mouthful in itself, you know. Unspeakable. Unspeakable joy. <laughs> and you know, so many people have to have to have these issues where they're not happy with themselves. Mm. You know, they're going through something and you know, the first thing they do is they pout, they complain, they worry. They never think about the joy that they could be experiencing. You know, and just the whole title for tonight was just so perfect. You know, I didn't even know what the title, what you had entitled the show when I talked to Monique to get her on the show. So when I saw it, I said, oh, that's it. That is it. You know, you talked about people being down in the valley. And, you know, when they look up, it might be a small speck on the top of that hill, and they don't know how, whether it's really big or really small. But when they look up and they see that shadow coming off that speck, it looks like a giant. You know, but as they begin to climb, when they get to the top of that hill, they'll notice that that big mountain is really just a little ant hill or a mole hill. That's right. You know, and so that's the one thing that I know our guest tonight is going to talk about. She's going to give you some tools, give you some some strategies, some plans on how to begin to climb out of that valley and get to the top of that mountain. All right, Greg. Yes, sir. I'm looking here now, and I'm hoping that the chat rooms will open up because I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that want to talk and want to, you know, at least listen in. But if you can't get in the chat rooms, you can call us at 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600, and we'll try to get you in where you can at least talk and listen to the show. But without any further ado, I would like to introduce to you all divine motivational speaker, Mrs. Monique S. Edwards. Hi. Thank you so much for that nice introduction, Brian and Greg. Um, It just um, gives me an honor just to be able to do this. And I was just um, equally honored when you asked um, that I be a guest. I've been actually praying about getting um, an opportunity to share my wisdom with the world, and it came at a a wonderful time. And I always um, speak sometimes in Proverbs to my my friends, always tell me, you're so proverbial. 
But I have to say this is fitting because, Greg, you mentioned you did not know uh, or you didn't think it was going to come from me, but you know where it was going to come from. That is absolutely right. You didn't tell me you were clairvoyant. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) a man finds joy in giving an apt word. An apt reply, and oh, how good is a timely word. That, that's a proverb. And that is exactly what is going to happen tonight. Yes. I'm going to give wonderful replies, and it's going to be so sweet to get a good word. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Now, let's start off. I want to also start off by saying Monique, ironically, is my cousin, so that's how I know her. You know, and, you know, when we grew up, we both were known as chatterboxes. <laughs> we love to talk and it's so you know so it was just apropos that you know she's a motivational speaker I'm a motivational speaker and this was something that was put in us long time ago but the real question I want to ask you to start off Monique is you have a company called the Exhale Forum and I want to know where you got the name the Exhale Forum from uh, well my mother passed away at um, the young age of 47 from um, an illness, and it was just something that was devastating to our family. Um, She died in 2001, and I was watching her as she was taking her last breath, and um, it appeared to me that this is something that's happening um, all over the world. Someone's going to die, and then yet there is still someone going to be born. And a few years later, while thinking of the death, maybe about three years later, I said, you know what, this is what I would like to do is start something that I can help heal women all over the world through all of the trials and the tribulations that they're encountering, and I'm going to breathe life into this organization, and that's going to be the first breath of life from my mother taking her last and that's where the Exhale Forum was born. Wow. I'm almost speechless. I mean, wow. You know, and, you know, the thing that that's so that just leaves me at a loss for words was I didn't know that until okay. now, you know. And mm-hmm. so the fact that you that you took something that was so devastating to you, you took tragedy, you took the loss of your mother, and you're using that as a forum to encourage others who may be going through those same types of emotions, grief, you know, mm-hmm. feeling of loss, you know, of being lost. And, you know, that's just, that's awesome. That is powerful. Yes, it is. And I look at um, how my path is um, also chosen because we think that we choose our direction, but definitely we don't. And right now I am interning at a hospice unit. Mm. Had no idea that I'd be doing that. But I am actually on a floor, on a unit, helping individuals deal with their loved ones dying. Mm-hmm. That has now, to be tough. As part of what you do in your Excel form, you're actually going into the hospice I do whatever I do wherever I am. I am also a counselor for an after-school project um, at actually my um, old middle school where I graduated. Mm. And it wasn't that I chose that. God chose that too. (laughs) You know, I'm working where in my home. I'm two minutes, and I'm helping change young folks' lives, you know, children and parents. Right. And by just giving encouragement and letting the parents know that you can make a difference and I can help you do this. Because I think that problem comes where we're just so overwhelmed with the day-to-day routine hmm. that when it comes to the children, it's just another added pressure. And no one's there to help me ease my pain. So as a counselor and as a motivator, and, you know, my background is in psychology and now social work, I have the tools, the know-how, and not just that, I'm willing. I want to help them. So that's what I do in my day-to-day routine, whether it be at a hospice unit, whether it be at a middle school, or whether it be me having a one-on-one through a life course session where I do teach um, those tenets of having debt freedom. I've been debt-free for over 10 years now. It's like, you know, I say I'm I'm clean for 10 years, but that's debt-free. 
Mm. You know, Monique, you, you said something about you being a counselor and you have this social work and you have psychology in your background, but the one thing that makes you qualified to do the things that you do is the fact that you hurt, you saw your mother leaving and transforming over, transitioning over, and now you can see these things happening to other people and they may not understand what's going on and that true qualification that you have now, now you're really qualified to talk to these people and say, you know what, I've been there, I've done that, let me tell you what works. When exactly, you yeah. and that's, that's what I actually give is um, insight into someone who's already lived it and how did you overcome it. And being, me being young and having it happen, um, it, you know, it really it's, it's shows that, um, wow, she can connect, mm-hmm. she understands. You know, she's just not talking from a clinical standpoint. This young lady has definitely endured the loss like I'm enduring. Right. And, you know, Brian and I, we go out and we do things in the communities. And we, we, I teach an abstinence course, and, and Brian does the same thing, and we go into the jails and prisons. People, what, what, what a lot of people don't understand is when you're not qualified, there's a difference. There's a big difference. When you haven't been through it, these kids know. They can mm-hmm. tell within the first couple of seconds. And, and, and when you say something that sounds like you've been studying something in a book and you throw that at them, they'll just look at you. They'll, they'll give you a little bit of time to figure. Once they figure out, okay, well, he's just talking, they'll, they'll shut you off. But you being able to connect, how many of your, your coworkers or people around you, they see you in action and they are just amazed and they're like, this is coming so easy to you, Monique. How in the world are you doing this? Well, it's been a lot of um, adversity, and um, life, I tell them, life made me better, not bitter. And I take that bitterness, and I spread that all over. I smile. I make it through the day. I say, you know, I've gone through this. You know, I've been married and divorced twice by age 35. I've been through a custody battle that cost me $20,000, 12 years and if anyone knows anything about motions in the court, I have had 242 motions in 12 years. Mm. That means I went to court 242 times because my son was kidnapped, and it took all of that to get him back from his father. Wow. So do I know it? No, I know it. In fact, I'm writing about it because I want to help heal folks who think that this is only happening to me. To me. And the thing that I find most prevalent about uh, a lot of the women today who are going through these same trials is that they feel that they don't have any hope. And that's what I'm bringing to the table, that there is hope. Not only are you going through it, you're going to get through it because it happened for me, and I am just a person just like you. You know, Monique, you you talked about, you know, the, the traumatic situation with your child, with your son. Mm-hmm. You know, and the thing that that just struck me about that was, here you are, you're out helping everyone else. You have all these things that you're doing for other people, and yet you still have your own issues in your life that you have to deal with. I mean, tell me how, tell me how you do it first of all, because it's not easy, you know, to have to go like you said, 242 times to court just mm-hmm. to get. Your child back that, and that was your child that you birthed, you know. Exactly. And you know, I mean, most people don't even think about stuff like that. No, they don't, because what I do is uh, when the crisis occurs for me, and that's a giant in my life is a crisis, any type of crisis. What I do is I just rise to the occasion because it has to be done. I can't buckle. I can't just say okay, this is too big, even though it is too big, and I have said this is too big, but I must press on, and I must be diligent, dedicated, and determined in all that I do because of the optimism that I have. I am just not a pessimistic person by nature, and that optimism propels me to be a doer, not just a talker. I have to do something, and that's how I make it. Mm. So you, you, in those those same principles that you use when facing your giants, do you think people should use those same principles when they're facing their dreams? 
facing their dreams? Oh, yes, because there's going to be some adversity, whether it's a giant, whether it's a dream, whatever it is, it's not going to be easily attainable. So, therefore, it's not going to just be also an innate quality because we're all yet somewhat different in, in respects to that. But there should be an accountability frame, someone that you can go to that you can say, you know what, I'm not that strong on this, but I've looked at you and I'm going to, I, I need you to be my mentor. Mm. I need you to help me get to this. Mm. I need you to help me accomplish this dream. And I know that you've already arrived where you are. Can you help me? And that's what I find that is missing in the lives of many of us today is that we don't have an accountability frame. Because we all get weak. We all go through, you know, oh, I wish I need, I had, should have had that push. You know, I wish I had somebody to call me and remind me, keep me on track. Mm. And that would definitely help because we can't do this. We can't walk this life alone by ourselves. We need people. That's right. Absolutely. Good people. People who are having the same vision and mission, and it's got to be the same vision and mission because if you have someone that's not on the same wavelength as you, they're not going to find that passion that you have. And no one can love your dream like you love it, but they they can actually love the fact that you have one to help you get there. Mm. You know, Moni, you've been a fighter for all your life. You've been fighting all your life for everything. It just seems like you've just been such a fighter. Do you ever get tired of fighting? Do I ever get tired of fighting? Yes. Oh, yes, most definitely. And when I do, I go to my mentor. I have an aunt who I feel as strong as I am and sometimes stronger, and I say, you know, I'm tired. I want to give up. I am just want to throw in the towel because it's too much. I'm in school. I'm working a full-time job. I'm raising two sons. My aunt is raising my 17-year-old because she wanted him to be, you know, here with her because she lives alone. And it's just so many things, and I'm doing the internship. And, of course, I get overwhelmed because I have such a busy schedule, which leaves me very little time for myself. And with all of that stress and me being um, knowledgeable of the person in the environment and how that stress can really take a toll on you, but I'm cognizant enough to know this is my breaking point or I'm getting near it. Let me give a call to my aunt. I need you. And thank God she's there. Mm-hmm. It's always important to have somebody that you can talk to. You know, it's funny because when you talked about having people around you that have, like, like minds and, you know, that's on the same wavelength, you know, I kind of liken the things that Greg does and, and, and that I do. We're, we're on the same wavelength, you know. Some of the things that he likes, I like. You know, some of the things that he does, I do. You know, the thing we talk about the same stuff. It's almost like we can get on the phone and before you know it, we're we're getting ready to talk about the same subject. You know, so we're so in tune with each other, and it makes for a you know a great and wonderful friendship. You know, because it's mm-hmm. tough when you have somebody that you consider your friend, and that's I want to talk about that about relationships because I know that you focused on that's one of your focus points with your company, the Excel Forum. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about relationships, and I'm just going to read what you have written, it says, today the divorce rate has climbed to over 55%, and couples are experiencing problems in the areas of communication, finance, and sex. And so these sessions focus on providing insight on managing your current relationship or help you prepare yourself until Mr. Wright shows up. Now, I want to talk about Mr. Wright showing up because we've talked about this type of issue um, on on our show in the past. You know, and we've had several other guests come out. So we want your spin on how do you know when Mr. Wright is there? Well, that's um, actually it's not hard to answer. Let me tell you. You'll know it by the criteria in which you've set for yourself in those standards. Mr. Wright will be a reflection of you, Okay. And what I mean by that is that if you have a criteria that I'm going to need uh, only the best in my life to complement my personality, to complement my lifestyle, and that individual must meet certain criteria, and that could be 
many things, but of course that's ideal for that individual. But it should be progressive things. It should be things that are going to add and not subtract from your life. So that's an individual perspective on who Mr. Wright is to you, but he definitely would not take away any of the good qualities that you have. So it takes a while waiting for Mr. Wright, though, to come along. Because in this life, it's so many men out there and women who deceive, who sell you certain aspects of them that are not authentic. And that's why you have to take time. And I don't think that we're willing to do that anymore. With all of the hustle and bustle and the quick, everything is so fast now, even we're trying to find a mate quick. And it takes time. And I think that if you cultivate more of a courtship, you'll understand if he's Mr. Right or she's Mrs. Right or Mr. Wrong or Mrs. Wrong. Hmm. Good words, good words. You know, I, I totally agree with you because we we do this thing, and I think I saw it on the movie Hitch where they do speed dating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's how our relationships have been so much. It's been like a speed date. And I'm not saying there's no such thing in love at first sight, you know, but what I am saying is sometimes it's like, we we have lust at first sight, and then we try to work to love, and that doesn't always work out right. You know, you can't do it backwards and expect to go forward. Exactly. And let me tell you something about the relationships. In my um my second marriage, I learned something, and this is what I share when I'm counseling, and it's been really, really effective, is to write down your priorities. And not just talk about them. Write them down, each one of you. And once you look at the list, the priorities may be the same verbally, but when you write them down, they could be in a different order. Because when I met him, he's like, I want to save money, I want to have a home, I want to travel. And all of the things that he was speaking, I was speaking too. And I was wondering down the line through the years, where did we have a disconnect? And the disconnect, as I discovered, was that Saving money was his number five when it was my number one. You understand? Yeah. Or traveling was a number ten on his list, and that might have been a number five on mine. So, therefore, all of the energy that I'm putting in to put some money away for my child's education or whatever it is, he's not thinking on that line. So, of course, he's spending the money as quick as I'm making the money. So the priorities need to be in the same order for an effective relationship. Mm. That's powerful. You know what? That is so true. It's almost like uh, someone being in a relationship and not having the support from the other uh, other spouse or the other person that they're dating or married to. And and, and let me ask you this. How big is uh, supporting your loved one's dream? How, How big is that? It's magnificently big. I mean, it's everything because it not only says that you're supporting me, that means you love me enough to say what you're doing means something. It's important to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all want. We all need that. And actually, that can sustain a marriage more than anything could. If you believe in me, you believe in me by showing me that you support what I feel and what I dream of. Mm. And that's healthy. It is. It is. And I tell you what, I think a lot of people really don't realize how powerful support is, especially to someone that's in the middle of that dream and on the verge of giving up, and they're getting hit from every different angle, but when they get in the bed, they know that, okay, this person doesn't really trust or believe in what I'm doing, and they don't have my back. That's almost a, a, a That will almost kill a marriage by itself. You know what? You're absolutely right. And I thought of this. Um, my mentor, my aunt, was telling me, um, she said, you know, a lot of times when you get with a mate, you don't realize they're not your relatives. Right. Even though you think, wow, you know, we're getting together, we're going to get married, this person loves me, but they're not blood related. You understand? Mm. And if you look at the way your family loves you unconditionally, you really would love to have your mate love you unconditionally. And what I've noticed is that my family, no matter what, I can make mistakes. They're going to support me, and they're going to love me, 
and they're going to continuously be there. My mate will know that, well, you know, I loved you when I met you. I thought things were going to go well. They kind of, you know, teetered off, and I need to back up from this, and I can walk away because you're just someone I met. You're not really connected to me. So I'm not going to exhaust myself into helping you achieve your success because I'm too into what I need to do for me. And self selfishness is the root of all evil. Mm. It really is. If you look at anything, I mean, all of the seven deadly sins, you got the greed, you got the jealousy, you got the envy. And if you look at everything that's happening in the world today, it's going to be fueled or propelled by a selfish spirit. You know, Monique, I want to switch gears just a little bit. I mm-hmm. want to talk about something else that you that you mentioned when you talked about, you know, your reasons for, like, saving money and so forth. Mm-hmm. Family planning is one of the things you talk about as well. And I want you to expound a little bit on, you know, what your belief in family planning is. Well, it's coming together and finding out um, what that family um, needs or the deficits, and I come from a strengths perspective, so I don't look at the family as a whole and say, you know, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong. It's to bring what family members they have together and work on the strengths, and that strength could be that you have a job or that you come home and you have time with your child, and to cultivate a wonderful family unit is something that is essential, especially in today's um, society. You have families not even eating together anymore. I mean, it's hard to sit down together at a table and ask your child, how was your day? And um, research has indicated that families who sit together, they actually stay together longer. They have more rich lives and healthier systems in education, I mean, all the way around, it's a healthy benefit to do what you can to spend more time with those children and even cultivate a better relationship with communicating with your spouse. And if there is no spouse around, single parents still have the same obligation to those children to give that time as much as they can. And look at me. I'm working. I'm I'm still finding time to sit with my sons and say, how was your day? And then that gives them an open forum to say, you know, I got into a fight with Johnny or, you know, I broke my, you know, bag or my book, my book bag or anything, things that you wouldn't have normally known about had you not asked that question. I was asking some of the parents um, in their family, how do you know your child's favorite color? They don't know it. Mm. Not one parent could tell me their child's favorite color. And that's sad. You know what, Brian and I, we spoke at a, a church, and the kids told us some things uh, oh, at, yeah. at this particular church about how they uh, just 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 some things that they, that was going on in their lives, and the parents were saying, you know what, it's so wonderful how they're op- able to open up to you guys, and we're not in. I said, no, that's not. We are strangers, and they're opening exactly. up to us, but they won't open up to you. They're looking mm-hmm. at it wrong. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah, and right. it's ironic that you said that because just today, same thing, parent came in and said, you know, I get so much um, out of you being in her life. She talks to you about everything. You know, she doesn't tell me anything. And I'm like, you know, that's not my mission. My mission is to bridge the gap of communication between you and your daughter. It's great that, you know, I'm going to do it here, but I would rather her be able to come to you. Mm. And that's what's lacking, is that um, the parents, just like I said, they they have so many demands. And I think that it's also priorities, like I said, and what's valuable. And what I find is it's easy to get our priorities out of alignment, and we lose sight of what's most valuable. You know, we have these professional success, domestic happiness, financial security, good health, intimacy, and, um, you know, even when we think we know how to rank our priorities properly, balancing them can be what's difficult. That's why we need wisdom so desperately 
so we can have the insight to discern what's most important in a world of competing demands. And that's what we're in, competing, demanding world. And we just have to know that those children should um, definitely be more important to us than where we're putting them. You know, it's funny you said that because the whole while you were talking, I was thinking about how, you know, what color does my daughter like? And I know they like pink, you know. And you know they like pink, but is that their favorite color if you were to ask them that question right now? I probably couldn't tell you. But there's one thing that I have done for a long time. I I don't even remember when I started to do this, but I remember my father would do this with me even when I was little, you know. He would ask me about what, tell me everything you did today. And then I got to the point where, you know, because I like to run my mouth anyway, I would just tell him everything that I did for the day. And mm-hmm. so I started doing that with my kids early on. I would take them to school. And when uh, when the twins were young, I had to pick them up from school. And I would immediately ask them, how was your day? What did you do for the day? You know, and so they would begin to tell me one at a time. And then when my youngest daughter uh, started going to school, I started doing the same thing. How mm-hmm. was your day? What did you do today? And so I called it the daily download. And so now, yes. when they get home, when I get home, I get bum rushed at the door. Hey, daddy, how you doing? This happened, mm-hmm. that happened, this happened, <laughs> blah blah blah. You know, and it was like like clockwork. You know, well, not so much with the boy, but the girls they tell me everything, and especially the the little one, she tells me everything. You know. With such a small gesture, look at that. Mm-hmm. And now it became a daily regimen, and they look forward to it. Yeah, and they absolutely do. They look forward to it. You know, and that's I can remember building it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's what building those relationships would do with the children is that they're sponges. This is going to be a systematic approach that's going to be adopted quite quickly because once they find out that there is praise and that not just praise from this father and you being daddy, especially to a girl, you don't know what you're doing. That is really an awesome connection, and she's going to be looking for that same stimulus to be enacted every time. So if I know Daddy wants to hear this, every time I see Daddy, I can't wait to tell Daddy. And when she gets older, she'll say, you know what, just like you said about your dad, Mm -hmm. I love those times that I would come and tell you about my day. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, and look, and all her friends, like my oldest daughter, I I would go to their school, and all her friends know me, and they love me. And I'm like, who are you? Oh, I'm such and such, and I'm Kayla's friend, and I like you. She tells me everything about you. You're so cool. And I'm like, okay, who are you again? You know, I don't even know the, I know the kids now because they know me so well. Exactly. And they know me through her, you know. Mm-hmm. Now you're the cool dad. Oh, yeah. They I went on a field trip with the kids, and everybody wanted to hang with me. <laughs> you know, they were like, hey, you know, we're going to hang with Mr. Bryan. You know, and exactly. I go to the school, and I I can definitely say I get about ten hugs. And mm-hmm. most, of the, most of the teachers are like, okay, who who are the kids hugging? Who is that? They come and give me a hug. And, I, you know, most people would be like, oh, hey, you can't touch the kids. But I'm like, you know what, these are children, you know. And if 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 they can't see affection like cause, like I hug and kiss my daughters all the time. I even hug and kiss my son. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they have to see that if that affection is okay. Yes. You know, because now we're in this world where it's so you, you can't touch him, you can't look at him, you can't do this, you can't show this kind of gesture. That might be impropriety, you know, that might be something that's a little risque. Don't do this, don't say that. They've been so, you know, attorney I always call it attorneyed up. You know, they're so litigated up, you know, that they're afraid to be real. You know, for fear of if you're too, if you're actually real, you could get sued, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that that goes to the next thing I want to talk to you about, and that's mind, body, and spirit. You know, because a lot of times people, they get so wrapped up in, you know, in life and the things that they have to endure in life. You know, and I talked to my uh, my abstinence group earlier today, and we talked about direction. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling them how, you know, you have to direct your own, you know, 
you have to be able to put your yourself in the direction that you want to go. You know? And right. and part of that is making the right choices. You know, and Greg and I we always harp on choices, choices, choices. They're so important. But, you know, I, I wanna ask you, how important is focusing on your mind, body and spirit? Well, that's how you'll make it is very important because if you don't have those elements in line um, continuously, that's when chaos enters. And um, like I said earlier, you um, have to have some type of balance. And definitely when that stress becomes overwhelming, you got to have an outlet. And when I say mind, body, and spirit, that's when you have the time for you. You make that time. You have a candlelight bath by yourself. And what I do is I go in and I set a timer outside the bathroom so that my children can hear that mommy's doing her thing, okay? I'll go in. They'll say, oh, the timer's on. That means no one can knock on the door, no disturbances. That's mommy's time. Mm-hmm. You have to seize those opportunities and make an appointment for yourself. Now, if you take that time to give yourself a bubble bath or even go to the gym and work out regularly, then you're increasing your brain activity. Your mind is getting what it needs. I mean, this is a wonderful temple that we have, but we got to take care of it. That's right. Absolutely. You got to tap into your inner spirit, and, you know, you got to look at what's important to you and have no guilt about it because how many times we do things and we say, oh, I feel so guilty. I didn't do this for my children. But what about you? You're no good to them if you're not taken care of. That's right, and that, that's 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 the truth. If you don't have your health, you don't have much of nothing. Mm, that's true. And having positive thoughts, it, it actually helps ooze all of the negativity and replenish you with more joyous things, so that you can get back up and share different things with other people that are on positive realm instead of being so negative. And you can't be that way if you're so full of your own stuff. You're not effective. Mm. So you have to take that time. Do you, let me ask you this, do you give seminars uh, in, in in your city or your county? Do you ever do that? Well, I was definitely doing more of it prior to me having such a hectic schedule with um, pursuing my um, degree now. Mm-hmm. But I plan on going back to the to having the Excel Forum on a monthly basis. That's what I was doing in Central Florida. I was in Orlando for 17 years, and I held the Excel Forum once a month. And I have a small group session of women around 15 to 18 women would show up, and I would facilitate the actual um, sessions by having one of those topics. So. Most people wanted the financial freedom session, of course, because of the debt. Mm-hmm. And then I would rotate it, and we do time management, stress management, parenting, and so forth. But it's awesome the healing that comes out of those sessions because what's happening in a group is that they're finding out that, wow, she has the same issue that I have, Why? and look how she's managing let me learn something, or can I impart something in her spirit that will help her make it and give her some hope? Mm-hmm. I mean, hope is, boy, that's something that... That's you know, powerful. That's, that's probably one of the most powerful words I know. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say, the reason I think the word hope is because if you have hope, I mean, <laughs> Once most people can build, most people have built their entire lives around the hope that something that they're doing, some good is going to come out of that. Exactly. I mean, just like, you know, we had a guest on, I think it was uh, Mr. Don Boyer, and he talked about the law of attraction. And, you know, he talked about if you think negative all the time, you know, that's going to be your outcome. Exactly. And if you think positive all the time, you know, you'll have a positive outcome. People that hope, that, that, that have hope for their dreams and hope for their, you know, their lives to end up in a positive manner, they tend to be all right, you know. But you know what, Brian? Yes, sir. Hope, 
hope is the beginning of faith. Yes, it is. Ooh, you just stepped on it because that's where I was getting ready to go. Because it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm -hmm. Think about that. It can't work without hope. That's right. Now, that's powerful. That is it. <laughs> that's, that's 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 hitting it on the head, and, and a lot of people say, you know, I hope, I hope people say, no, don't say that, no, 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 let them say it, let them say it, because we don't know what what their what type of relationship they have with our father. We don't know that. We don't know what that person is going through. Mm-hmm. And we can say some, we can say something that will just kill their entire mood. They come to work all happy, and we all have people that we work with that or that loves to complain and loves to uh, just just fuss and argue about everything, but they never want the solution to their problems. They've been doing it for so long that they love it. When you try to give them a solution, I'm not trying that. They just love, they rather talk about their problem more than trying to find a solution. So mm-hmm. what would you say to those people, Monique? What would you what what would you say to someone that's like that? Or you have this person that have this hope and they have this faith and they're living and trying to work their dream, but they have, they're surrounded by these people that don't want to help themselves. Well, I call those people toxic. Those are toxic people. And you know what toxins do to the body and the mind. Yeah. You must flee from those people. Even if they're people who you thought meant you good. It could be family. It could be friends. You need to find a way to wean yourself off because it's not easily done. I mean, it's easy, easy for me to say, but those people are really pulling you down. And if you can't wean off immediately and do anything cold turkey, then you need to find a set of other friends who are positive, who can counteract them, and then eventually you will gravitate to those positive friends. Because there's no quick solution, a quick fix when it comes to human behavior. When you have friends and you know that their behavior is pulling you down and everything that they're saying is negative, you, they're your friends. You've cultivated a friendship just, say, 10, 15, 20 years. It's hard to just say, you know, leave me alone, you're no good. That's not what I'm stating. What I'm simply saying is that find other friends who can deposit some goodness into your life. And then once you become... Um, better un- have a better understanding of where you are and whose you are, you say, you know what, I'm growing. And it's not that I don't want to be with you. You're going to be my friend to the day I die, but I need to do some things for me. And, you know, I'm there for you, but you don't know how to make the disconnect where it's not so disconnected, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You can still have them, but they won't be um, influencing your life because you have these other friends who are giving you so much positive reinforcement that you're now able to sustain. Not only are you sustaining, you're going out preaching it to somebody else. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I want to ask you about, and you, and you talked about this a little bit earlier, you said you were debt-free. Mm-hmm. Tell us how a Twice divorced mother of three, mm-hmm. who's working hard, you know, doing so many different things. How can mm-hmm. you even? How can you possibly be completely devoid of debt? Let me tell you how you do it. My friends, if they tell you, um, I can sum Monique up in one word, they would all say discipline. That's the key to make it it in this world. You must be disciplined in all that you do. I said, um, you know, when I had the divorce, he left me in a, a mound of debt. And I said, okay, Lord, if you help me get out of this, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I need to get out and get free. And once I'm free, I won't go back because, you know what, we all have what we need to make it, but we go beyond that call and get ourselves in a mess because if you look at it, if you look at how much money you're making, and if you actually lived underneath that, you can make it every day. But it's when we go out and we buy that nicer car that we know our income cannot support, and we go out and get a house that is just way out of our reach, and then we figure, we figure well, I, I know that I'll get a raise soon. I can make it. That's not what you do. If you stay right up under the bar, 
You'll always have just what you need. So I had to file bankruptcy in 1998. And from 1998 to, to this day, I never went back in any debt. I Once I, my slate was clean, it takes about 10 years for it to be off of your credit. And I became a credit counselor in the midst of that. I worked for Smith Barney, and I learned about investment banking and Roth IRAs, and I started plugging in money every year. And that's why I encourage um, people to take your income tax return, half of it, you use half and you use the, take the other half and put it in a Roth IRA so that it can grow interest and you'll have something that you can say, you know what, I want to retire and at least I was smart enough to start at this age or whenever. And that's what I did. And I never went back on getting credit cards. I don't have any credit cards. I have an American Express, which is really not a credit card. It's a charge card because you must pay that bill in 30 days. So I'm not going to go out and say I'm going to pay $10,000 for that unless I got $10,000 in 30 days. Absolutely. You understand? You know? that's more, that's so more, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's more of an emergency thing that you have that, right? Yeah, I mean, I can do my airlines or, you know, whatever I want to put on it, just as long as I know that, you know what, I know I'm not going to exceed $100, $200 this month on this card. So I better just do this. It's a discipline card is what I call it. It keeps me disciplined. (laughs) Only that will keep you disciplined. (laughs) And then you have your debit card. I said something, two cards I need, my debit card and my American Express, because sometimes we do need to have a little time. And that 30 days can mean a lot to someone. Yes. Because a debit comes out right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What's coming up? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. So that, right that, that is exactly how I achieve um, the, a debt freedom um, status because I said that I don't want the creditors calling me anymore. I don't like feeling my back up against the wall. That is a terrible, um, it's, in sla- it's a slavery, really. Yes. You know what, uh, Monique, we said before the show came on, uh, I, I mentioned to you, I said, you know what, we need to do a seminar down south. We need to get together and come up with something, uh, teach the kids leadership skills, because that's that's an area where the kids are lacking, the the leadership skills, the customer service skills, because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really believe that all these things start within the child. We're trying to cram all these books into them, but we need to really pull what's in them. We need to pull that out so they'll know who they are. And then, they, right. and then, and then you can operate into the books and do all these other things. But as long as a child is dealing with molestation, that child is dealing with uh, a mother and father going through divorce or no money in the house or just they're just going through, I don't know of a book there's only one that will help, and that's the Bible. But I think that 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 kid needs to really look deep within and say, you know what, this is who I am. I know who I am. I can overcome this. And that's when you'll start seeing um, a, a fruitful child. But if no mm-hmm. one is taking the time to teach them that, then they're going to jail, they're going to prison, murderers, bank robbers, or whatever. They're going down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Brian and I, we really, we, we're really going to talk and brainstorm and try to come up with something and try to get down there to try to try to make this thing happen. Well, I think that'd be great. I'm on board because um, the the youth today. Um, just definitely need to be told that they are someone and that they're special. But I don't think a lot of times we're looking to um, get out what their skills and their gifts are because the children I deal with have many special gifts. And someone needs to sit with them and just like you said, bring out what's hurting them first. And the fact that we're interested in them and their story is what makes them connect with us as counselors because someone's taking the time to talk to me. It should be mama, it should be daddy, but unfortunately it's not always the case. But because I'm giving them eye-to-eye contact and saying, you know, what's going on? Tell me. I'm here. I want to hear what you have to say, and I don't have anything else going on that's going to distract me from you. You're important, and you are very special. And that is what they need to be told, and everything flows out. That is the platform for success for our children today, is that we give them the attention. 
You know, one of the other things I think about when you think about kids and, and people in general, and it's something that is an absolute killer, but most people don't focus enough time on it. And, and this is one of the things that you talk about as well, stress management. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm going to read what you have. You said stress is the leading cause of hypertension and anxiety. There are stressors at work, home, and even stress that is self-inflicted that causes us to stifle our blessings. You know what? That is so true. I've heard so many people that, you know, literally stress themselves out over something that simple that could be easily fixed, you know. But they don't know it, Brian. See, that's the key. They don't know that they don't know. (laughs) You understand? It's for us to say, listen, you don't have to stress about that. I got a quick fix to that. And they can really make a, a... a big thing, some, it could be something very small. You know, I don't know how I'm going to get my child to daycare next Tuesday because I have a job interview. They will stress about that issue from now up until Monday night and haven't even thought about making a phone call <laughs> to mama, daddy, sister, cousin around the corner, a coworker. I mean, we have resources that we're not even willing to tap into. We're so tight-mouthed that we'll let a blessing go by because we don't realize that we can make a phone call. And that's my job to say, you know what, do you have a friend? Do you have a family member? Let's work on getting um, a babysitter or if I have to do it, you know what I mean? If someone needs to be in that person's life, significant enough to say, I care about you. Like we were saying earlier, Greg, I care enough about you to see the need Yes. to not only address that you're important, but I'm going to find someone or I'm going to take that off of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yet and still, I'm going to also teach you to open your mouth and say, I need help. And what I do is I talk and I say things, I don't care where I am, because you don't know who has an answer. And I've noticed that when I say, you know, anybody have, know anybody to fix a car and do this and do that, I just say what it is I need. Out loud, I can be walking through uh, my job, one of the cubicles. I need this on my side. I'm looking for a counselor. You know, I think he might have a learning disability. I'm not sure, but I like to do preventive maintenance. Does anybody know anything? Oh, yeah, they're doing that over this way. And this is what you'd be amazed of how much you learn and gather from just saying something because you're thinking, wow, I don't want to put my business out there. I don't want nobody to know. No, 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 no. You'd be amazed. There's more people out there that's going to try to help you than trying to hurt you because they're doing the same thing and wish someone come to the, to them, to their aid. Mm. I'll tell you what. It, it really, when you reach out and when you ask, you know what it says in, in our favorite book, we have not because we ask not. Yes. All the help you need is there. I guarantee you it. If we look at the top five people that we deal with, I guarantee you all five have something different they can help us with, but we haven't asked them, so we don't know how they can help us. And what sin is that one? <laughs> Pride. <laughs> I said them seven, them seven, they'll get you. <laughs> yes. And pride yes. is the one. Yes. Mm. i tell you what, that pride is, that pride is something else. That that pride will eat you alive. It leads to destruction, I, I tell you, all the time. And mm. if you can suppress it, because you're not going to tell anybody to get rid of it, they're not going to just drop it because it took too many years to build it up. So can you suppress it a little bit and just ask at this point because you don't know what blessing you may be in for? Yes. yes. So let's suppress the pride a little bit and then ask, and what happens is it allows them to see, wait a minute, let me try it again. Because any time you get successful results, it allows you to say, hey, that happened good for me that, that time. Let me try this again. And what happens to pride? It begins to diminish. Yes. Uh-huh. You can only break down anything negative by having something positive take its place, <laughs> favorable. It's got to be something favorable happening in your life to, for you to believe in it. 
to say, I'm willing to take that chance because I got a favorable result. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> you know, Monique, I want you to tell our listeners, what is the most important thing that you do every day? I provide hope every day. It could be a smile. It could be a gesture that I care. It could be a warm hug. But the fact that someone is giving the attention that we so desperately vie for, that is the most important element that I give to mankind every day. When I get up in the morning, I put my feet down, and I say, thank you, Jesus, because I'm, I'm alive again. I'm, I'm here. But more importantly, I can take my message, and believe me, everything that I've gone through made me a better person, as I said before, and I take my spirit out of this place, and I impart that into every person I meet. And you know what? It pays back tenfold. There is nothing more rewarding than sitting with a young lady or older lady and saying, you know, I'm here for you while their loved one is dying in the room next to them. And they're looking at me, and all they can say is, oh, you're so nice, you're so tall, and you're a beautiful woman, and, um, you know, do you have any children? Their mind goes off of their pain onto me, and that's a gift. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing watching the transformation and the smiles, and all I'm doing is just being there for them. And that makes the difference, not just in that situation, but in the child situation where they can come in and, oh, Miss Monique, um, this is what happened today, uh, unsolicited things. Just, And then I look at it and say, wow, when I met you, you didn't know me, and you were saying, I don't want a new counselor. I don't even want to know your name. And then all of a sudden, after a few months passed by that same individual who ridiculed you, and defame your character when they could behind your back is now in your face saying you are the best counselor in the whole world. I made this for you, Miss Monique. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. That's no it. money, no money can put, nothing can take the place of that. That's the reward. Absolutely. Well, Miss Edwards, I want you to give out your contact information in case someone wants you to come and do a seminar for them or if someone just needs some encouraging words. You know, let us know how we can con- how they can contact you. Okay, you can contact me by email, and that is Monique's Wisdom, and that's M O N I Q U E S W I S D O M at aol dot com, or they can also contact me at nine five four two three five two three three two. Again, that's nine five four two three five two three. Yes, because I definitely see the Exhale Forum, South Florida style, coming up real soon. (laughs) (laughs) That's encouraging, uplifting, and insightful, Brian. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. We'll see our show is about abundant solutions, and I think that we've definitely accomplished that goal. Wouldn't you say so, Greg? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, I want to close out by saying, you know, when you're standing up and you're having and you're in the role of David and you have to face Goliath, just be certain and know that you'll always have those five smooth stones ready and waiting. And and one of those stones is financial freedom. <laughs> Time management. See, if he had to buy those stones he couldn't. Time management, he only had a certain amount of time to get it done. You know, mind, body, and spirit, relationship, and also family. Because, well, you know, and I'll just say he might have, if he had to have an extra stone, there would have definitely been some stress management going on in there as well. You know, but I, I can truly say that it has been a pleasure to interview you tonight, and we thank you for joining us and you know, just blessing us with your insightful and kind words and thoughts. And we wish you continued success, and we are definitely going to get together on this soon. Okay. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing both of you.
Absolutely. And with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we hope that you will come back and join us on next Wednesday where we'll have another great show. We're going to take off for Monday. So we thank you, good evening, and God bless.